Hey, Westside family. My name is Matt, and I am the co-leader for the Young and Free group. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We hope that you are blessed by the Word of God through the speaking of our pastors and leaders. And we pray that this leads you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love you and enjoy. So tonight I'm going to be talking about sharing your faith, but not in a traditional sense. I want to lay a foundation. I want to give you something uh, as an intro before we actually uh, dig, dig into it. So, what is becoming and will be in the future the greatest way to share Jesus is, is through personal relationships and small group gatherings. That is a bit different than what used to happen. Up, up to the last maybe decade, a little bit more than a decade, a big way for people to to give their life to Jesus was through a church gathering experience. Uh, you remember, you know, even say, let's go back to the 50s, you have your, your healing crusades, big giant events, people come, the Lord moved, uh, salvation message was given, and hundreds, even thousands of people gave their life to Jesus. Uh, I don't really have the decade and the years, but after the healing revival, sometime after that, Billy, like the Billy Graham type crusades uh, came into existence. Big, giant, massive crusades, maybe not a lot of signs and wonders, but still people would just flock to the basic message of Jesus Christ. Uh, salvation message was, was given and people would give their lives to the Lord. As you begin to enter into the 80s and through the 90s, what you begin to see is a tapering off of big event style uh, services. It still happened through the 80s and even even some in the 90s, and we have it today, but what you're seeing is it, it is not having the effect on the world like it used to. It still has its place and it's still important, and more times than not, it blesses the believer. But when you're talking about the world, people meeting Jesus, we are seeing less of an impact when it comes to people receiving Jesus through church gatherings or Christian gatherings uh, simply because the unchurched, the people that need Jesus, just ain't coming to them anymore. And so what that has created is a need because the need for people to be saved is still there. The need for people to be loved, the need for people to connect with God is still there. And the need for God to have an avenue to work through is still there. God has always chosen us as an avenue for him to work through. So those two things hasn't changed. No matter what has changed in society, no matter what has changed in uh, you know, the church, is people need to be saved. They need an experience with God. And God needs people to work through. Not because he is powerless without people. It's just that he has chosen to work through people to save people. Now, with that being said, and what that leads us to is church in general. Church as we have known it is not going to be what we know in the future. 
even as we speak today, church is changing. Less people was coming to church. Less church services is being had. There's less power and less influence that the church has in the world. The world doesn't, and people in the world, doesn't look at the church any longer as a point of significance. Oftentimes, the church is looked at as a thorn in the flesh of the world. So, things for the church is, di is becoming, is different. It's different now than it was 10 years ago. And it will definitely be different for the future. But just because there's different, it doesn't mean that God stops working. So just because maybe the church doesn't have the influence that it used to have, it doesn't mean that God has lost his power. Right on? But it does mean that the church, the body of Christ, has to adapt to the differences in society. Which means traditional ways of getting people to connect with God has to be done differently. So if we hold a big event and a large population of the unchurched or those without Christ is not coming, we can't continue to do things the old way and expect a harvest. We have to consider and we have to think. We have to realize what is different, what is happening, what needs to be done, what needs to occur. And that kind of brings us to where we are tonight because the heart of God hasn't changed. One of the primary missions of the church hasn't changed. And one of the greatest needs in the world hasn't changed. The heart of God for the lost to be saved hasn't changed. The need of the church to preach Jesus hasn't changed. And the need of the world to know Jesus hasn't changed. But how all that is articulated, processed, given, and received has to change. And this change isn't anything new. Every few decades, if you look at church history, you begin to see changes simply because people were changing. Society was changing. Needs was changing. And if the church, the body of Christ, not the organization, if the body of Christ is going to continue in influence and power and effectiveness, then we have to be willing to change also. Which brings us to this. We, as followers of Christ, have to realize the change in order to adapt to it so that we can still be used by God to be a light in the world. Am I making sense? True followers of Christ, please hear the next couple of things I'm going to say. True followers of Christ have, a, have the heart of God for the world. True, I'm going to emphasize true. True followers of Christ have a heart, have the heart of God for the world. But not every Christian is a true follower of Christ. Some Christians are posers. 
have the title, they have the look, they might even have some of the de deeds. The difference between a poser and a true follower is that posers have a heart or an attitude to always receive from God as opposed to an heart, a heart that wants to give God. That's one of the issues that we have in the church is that so many times people come to church to receive, to receive, to receive, to receive, as opposed to come to the church with an attitude to give, to give, to give, to give. And I'm not talking about monetary giving. I'm talking about to give in the context of giving God in a way that God wants to use them to give himself through. Does that make sense? When it comes to sharing faith, I'm not going to be talking about sharing your, sharing your faith in a traditional sense. Because the church is no longer a, operating in a traditional context. So sharing faith in a traditional sense is, is, is typically one of two things. It's us just going and talking to either strangers or acquaintances about Jesus and the gospel. Or it's us inviting strangers or acquaintances to services to where in that service Jesus is going to be preached and we hope and we pray that that person that we invited or that we brought would open the heart to Jesus. That scenario has lost its effectiveness. It doesn't work like it used to work. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but it doesn't work like it used to work. People are not so open to hear the gospel from a stranger. And people are not so willing to come to a church service just because you invited them to. But what does work and what has always worked but yet has not necessarily been emphasized with is us knowing how to share our personal faith. You knowing how to share your faith. Me knowing how to share my faith. With people that God has purposely connected us with. So there's two things in, in, in that statement that I do not want to, or just kind of go out the ears. Number one, is we need to know how to talk about our personal faith. Number one. Number two, is we need to be able to discern when God has created a moment, whether it be with a stranger or an acquaintance, for us to share our faith. Not the faith, our faith. So let's start right there. Let's talk about our faith. We each have a different faith. Now before you be like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, I'm not talking about a different faith and who's the king of kings and the lord of lords and the Alpha omega and the beginning and the end and the prince of peace and all that good stuff, right? I ain't talking about different belief in who's God. 
I'm not talking about a different belief in what's truth. A couple of things is just standard. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God the Father, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, right? There's no difference in faith with that. The Bible is absolute. Nothing compares to it. Nothing is absolute in this world except for the Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, right? Okay, so I'm not talking about a difference in faith in that context. But I'm talking about a difference in faith according to what God has done differently for each of us. Let me read you Romans chapter 12. We, have a, we, we, we should have a slide for it. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. For I say, this is Paul, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Please hear this next phrase. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Let me say that phrase again, then I'll finish out the next two verses. As God has dealt to, given to, each one, not everybody, each one, you, 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 me, each one a measure, an amount, an experience, a type of faith. Verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, they do not have the same ability, capability, and they are not meant for the same thing, so we just like the body, being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So right here, Paul is basically saying it clear. We all are one body, but we each have a different faith in the body. So Paul is talking about different ways God uses people according to their different measures of faith. Now you and I each have a different faith because we each have gone through something differently. You might have a faith of healing that I don't quite have because maybe God has healed you in a way that he hasn't healed me. And maybe you, maybe another one of you have a, a greater amount of faith in provision than I do because maybe you've gone through a season in your life when you had nothing and you didn't have a way to get anything and out of nowhere God provided for you, God established blessings for you, and so therefore you know beyond a shadow of a, a doubt that God can and God will provide for his children. Am I making sense? So we have some biblical examples of this. Peter, let me read to you Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18, so a little bit of reading. When Jesus came into the to the region of Caesar Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Get this, he asked disciples, so he's speaking to a group. Who do men say that I, 
the Son of Man am. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, again, plural, them, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? He was still speaking to the group until one stood up and declared a personal faith and then God began to give a personal response. So it went from group to personal. It went from speaking to a body to speaking to a member. Carrying on. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you. It went from group to plural. Blessed are you. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, which is hell, shall not prevail against it. So this story started as a group discussion, but it became about one man because of one man's faith. So Peter had a different revelation that was based off of a different faith or experience than the others. And then God purposed him out and blessed him and empowered him one-on-one. -on -one. So we see there's a difference here. Move on to another example. Uh, Acts 19, verses 1 through 5. And it happened while Apollos, Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Do you receive the Holy Did you, excuse me, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard where there is a Holy Spirit. He said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So when you look at this story right here, you see a couple of twos. The first two is you see two baptisms. The baptism of repentance, which is a baptism via John the Baptist, and you see a baptism of the Holy Ghost, which was a baptism via Jesus Christ. You see two faiths. You see a, a faith in the repentance baptism, and you see a faith in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Each faith was based off of their own experience with God. So these, there were 12 disciples that, that Paul prayed for. It, it said that in a later verse. These 12 disciples had a specific faith that was based off of a specific experience that they had with God. Paul had a specific faith based off of a specific experience that he had with God. 
And Paul was able to minister to them in a very powerful way because of his experience with God that established his personal faith. Now think about it. These 12 men, they were already disciples. They were already saved. They had already been baptized. But yet they had not come across anybody that had the same experience that Paul had. Because Paul's experience was personal unto him, which therefore gave him a power and an ability to minister in a way that somebody else could not. We each have a measure of faith that has been established because of our personal experience with God. Brian, you have a measure of faith because of your past experience. Nobody else can have your faith. And nobody else can be used like you can be used by God to change somebody's life. It's very special. It's very important. Now I'm beginning to get prophetic. And you haven't allowed God to use you like he could use you because you didn't think you had what you needed to give. But God is telling you tonight, you have more than you ever thought you had to give. And for you to start exercising the power of the faith that he's establishing you through your past experience, and for you to allow him to use you to establish healing, deliverance, and change in people's life, because you will, you, God will be able to use you and work through you in ways that he will never, ever be able to work through anybody else. Amen? If you believe that for her, can you? Can you, Kane and Connie, you guys have an experience that has established a faith that allows you to minister to people in ways that nobody else can. What the enemy has meant for your destruction, God can take and use not only for his glory. You okay there, Kane? That ain't code cough, is it? <laughs> you guys have been through something. And you guys have remain steadfast unto the Lord. And you have a faith that is rooted deep. And it's the kind of faith that can rearrange and change people's circumstances. It's the kind of faith that people's need, that people need when they are about to abandon God. When they're asking the big question, why God? When they are about to start blaming God when they're about to become atheists because they don't feel like God's exists because they've just been through such a tragedy. But you have a faith that can get them to change their heart, change their mind, change their life, 
and therefore keep them out of hell because of disbelief. Keep them in heaven because of a belief in God that can be established or reestablished because of the faith that he has worked in you. Amen? Each and every one of us have a faith. Each of our faiths are no more important than the other. If we revisit what we read in Romans 12, Paul is talking about, when you, be, when, when you look at that area of scripture in context, in full context, Paul is talking about the equality of body parts or the equality of all the, or yeah, the equality of all the members that work together in the body of Christ. Now what we each go through is different. I have a different faith than Cain and Connie, and I will be the first to say I have not even come close to visiting the hardship or the tragedy that Cain and Connie has gone through. But the faith that has developed in me is no lesser than the faith that has developed in them. Because we are all part of one body that is equal, different, but equal in functionality. We all have different faiths, faiths that are different in, a func in functionality and different in effect, but they are equal when it comes to their importance in the body of Christ and as a tool in the master's tool bag. Amen? So, something that I, 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 I had to learn as a teenager, when I gave my life to God and I went on a and I started going on mission trips, one of the things that we was forced to do is to learn how to share. They didn't call it our faith. Learn how to share our story. And they forced us. Sometimes we had to stand and, 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 and it could be in, in front of 10 people. I remember there was times I stood in front of two or 300 kids at a school. Never ever spoken to anybody and I was required through an interpreter to share my story and how it related to Jesus and to be honest with you it really wasn't that difficult because I know my story I lived it I walked through it been there done that bought the t-shirt and I know in detail what God has done in it like for me like I know how to share with people on the supernatural provisions of God because I have been in so many seasons and so many circumstances in ministry to where the bank account registered zero or just a few, but yet the need was great. 
I have moved to places to where there was no job secured. There was no house secured. And I just took a step in faith. And each time, God provided the job, God provided the house, or God provided the connection. My whole life, as, as, excuse me, my whole adulthood, I have experienced the supernatural provision of God in my life. And so I know how to share that verbatim. I know how to give the details. I can share it with passion. I can share it with joy. I can share it with tears. I can share it with heartache. I know it. And that's how I, that's one of the ways at least, how I can share my faith, my experience with God. It's one, if, and someone says, well, how do you, how, how do you know God's real? I, I don't have to know, like, all the reasons why historically the Bible is accurate. It's nice to know with some people, but I don't have to know that. All I have to know how to tell my story because it's my story that has has given me a reason to believe it's my story that gives me a reason to praise the Lord it's my story that causes me to say yes and amen it's my story that keeps me in church it's my story that keeps me in ministry it's my story that that allows me to speak life into people. I am not a theologian, and yes, I'm a pastor, and I've been in ministry for 30 years, but I don't know the Bible like the back of my hand because I just do not recall information. My brain does not work that way. But what I do know is what God has done to Jonathan Mark Lane Rhodes, and because he has worked so supernatural in my life, I know that he is a God that exists. He is a God that is good. He's a God that is powerful. And I know I can say something to somebody that God connects me with that needs to hear my story. Amen? Each and every one of us has a story. And there's people in this world that needs your story. They need to hear about God in you. You don't have to, you don't have to know the Roman road. You don't have to know the ins and outs of Revelation. You don't have to know the differences in the four Gospels. You don't even have to know the reasoning and the meaning of all 66 books of the Bible like we've just gone through for the last few months. You don't have to know that. You don't have to know what I preached last week. But what's important for you to know and how to relay is what God has done for you. And not be ashamed. 
Our faith, though it is different, is ever-increasing. And since it is ever-increasing, it is ever-growing in power. How is it ever-increasing and how is it ever-growing in power? Because our relationship with God is always continuing. Now, I will say this. If your relationship with God stops, then either your faith plateaus or with some people I've seen it decrease. Because how does God develop the measures of faith that we have in our relationship with him? The more God moves in our life, the more God speaks to us, the more God uses us, the more experiences that we have with God establishes more faith, that establishes more ways, more opportunities for him to prove himself in us and through us for the world to have their own connection and their own revelation with God. I've learned, I learned a long time ago, there's only one thing you can credit to me. There's only one thing that we can credit to you. There's only one thing I can, I, I, I can, I can, Say, yep, I did that one. Put a feather in my hat. Is I chose to remain faithful. God didn't choose it for me. I chose salvation. I chose to not quit. I chose to believe. I chose to be faithful. And because I have continued that choice, God has continued to move. He has continued to bless. He has continued to provide. And he has continued to grow my faith and therefore make me a more powerful disciple of Jesus Christ. There's only one thing, one thing that you can take credit for and one thing that you have to make sure you do for this to work in your life, and that is to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you quit, it stops. Doesn't mean he stops loving, doesn't mean he stops convicting, he doesn't mean he stops chasing you. But all the good stuff stops if you quit. So we have to be faithful. And if we continue to be faithful, our faith increases. There's three, there's three takeaways I want to give you. And no, this is not three points for me to preach on, so don't be freaking out. Seven fifty six. 
know your story and know your faith. Don't ignore your story. And don't forget about your faith. Like, I know my story. I know it. And, it's all, and, and, and pages and chapters is being added, added to all the time. And because I know my story, I, I know my faith. If you don't know your story, if you're in denial of something, or if, if you don't remind yourself, if you don't recognize when God did something here or there, uh, there's an issue. There's an issue with you. There's an issue with your heart. And God won't be able to use you. Which leads to unfulfillment and complacency and laziness and just a miserable Christian. So know your story. And know your faith. When you go home, I, I, I want to, I just like they used to challenge us on the mission field. They would say, when you go home tonight, when you go to your room tonight, write your story down. Read your story. Think about your story. Consider how you can tell your story to someone God is going to connect you with. Number two is know how to share it. Know how to tell it. Don't be ashamed. Chris, are you ashamed of what you went through? Heck no. You know God saved you, delivered you, and made you a new man. Amen? No shame. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of what God brought you through. The truth will set you free, and the truth will set somebody else free. Know how to share it. Know how to tell it. And then the third one is be willing to be used by God. Be willing. I'm not telling you to go knock on the door of a stranger. There's very few people that's comfortable doing that. Pastor Johnny of our Hispanic ministry, he's comfortable doing that. He's, in a, he's, he's a pastoral evangelist. Me? Uh-uh. You, you ain't about to get me to go knock on a stranger's door and say, hey, can I read the gospel to you? That ain't going to happen. I, I'll make an excuse of everything in the world before I show up on one of those days. I, I, so I, I'm not telling you to do that. Just be willing to be used by God when God creates the moment. If you do these three things, if you know your story and your faith, if you know how to share it, and you have a little moment with God and say, Lord, I want you to use me and use my story, God will just create a moment for you. And it might be with an acquaintance. It might be with a stranger. But who or whatever isn't the point point is God using us to continue the effectiveness of the gospel. If people are not so willing to come to the church to hear the gospel, then we have to be willing for God to share the gospel through us. so that none should perish.
And so that all would have an opportunity to connect with their creator, their savior, and the spirit of our living God. Amen. Amen. So let's end this in prayer. We're going to be praying for Gladys. Is there any other special prayer requests before we, before we pray tonight? Anybody? All right. Father, we come to you in faith tonight, and we just declare healing and strength over Gladys's body. She's been going through issues with blood clots and other functions in her body. And your word reveals to us that there is healing through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we just speak that healing over her body. We declare healing over her. May her faith be increased. And just like the Roman centurion who had amazing faith that caused Jesus to release healing for one of his soldiers, we ask that Gladys' faith be released for there to be healing in her body. Father, I ask that you move on behalf of the unspoken requests that we all have here tonight. May there be power, may there be peace, and may there be wisdom with each circumstance. And Lord, concerning the talk or the message tonight, may it May it not fall on deaf ears. May it be a reality check for all of us. We don't have to be a great preacher. We don't have to have a great knowledge of the Bible. We don't have to be the most perfect person to be used by you to make a difference in somebody's life. We just have to be willing to share, to know, and to allow you to use us, our story, and the measure of faith that has come from it. I pray for boldness tonight for each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we rebuke the devil. We bind them up. We say, no, not today. For we will praise you, Lord. We will honor you, Lord. And we will obey you, my God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. God bless you. We love you. See you Sunday. 10 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally and continues to encourage you throughout the day and the coming week. We'll see you next time.